And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Uh, very happy to be joined in the Wayne Gretzky room of the JW Marriott here in Edmonton with Barry and Devin Dubnik. Um, pretty appropriate that uh, we're here in Edmonton because this is where, where uh, Devin, one of the few goalies in the NHL in the last uh, 15 years, that it was actually drafted in the first round and, and right here by the Edmonton Oilers. And that had to be a proud day for you, Barry. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty exciting. It's uh, it, it's funny. We're Dev and I were talking yesterday a little bit, and uh, all the time has gone by, you know, and and how fast it's gone, which is it's always scary. But it was uh, it was just uh, it's surreal. I mean, it just uh, you know, it, it's fun to come back here because you you think back to those days, and it's something that you, you'll never forget. It's just uh, it, it, like I said it's beyond it's beyond comprehension. It's just it, we just love it. We uh, you know just I was watching the dad suite last night, Barry and. And the one thing that just watching you in there and, and you know, you, you put on a good front that you're not nervous, but I know that you said that your wife, Barb, actually texted you during the game saying that you look nervous. Is that pretty fair? Yeah, it was um, – I, 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 we were talking last night, and Charlie says, the you know, the edge of the seat's not very comfortable. And I thought that was a perfect description because that's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the, the game was uh, – well, they're always hard on the nerves. Like, Devin always tells me to relax, but it's not quite so easy being a dad. But um, you know the uh, the thing is the game was was nervous right from start to finish. Like it was tense. It was close. It was a you know it was a good game. Obviously the end result was fantastic. But uh, yeah, Barb sent me the text and said you look nervous. And I answered back and said that's because I am. <laughs> uh, Devin, the uh, you know it, it, you've always said it's a lot harder on your parents, on your wife, on your on your probably even your kids watching you play than actually being in net. Is that is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. It's like anything. Um, you know, I always say I get I get more nervous. Uh, having to watch it, I'll play so I understand what <laughs> no and that's not um that's just because it's like someone you care about that you want to do well but you're out of control you don't you don't have control of it uh-huh. um you know when I'm playing I'm in control of what I'm doing so uh it's up to me so I there's nothing to be nervous about but um yeah I, I always laugh they they tell me they've gotten better over the years and they're not as not as stressed anymore, which is absolutely not true. If you ask me, I think it's <laughs> I think it's the same. You just might try to hide it a little bit more. Even in a game like last night, though, where it really 
I mean, I don't know if you felt that way in goal, but watching the game, it, it did feel like Vancouver had the puck all game long. Uh, it really did. They were moving well. I mean, that was a that was a good team. You watch them there fast. Um, I thought, you know, we were trying. We were doing a good job of pressuring and trying to be aggressive, but they, they did a good job of moving the puck quick, and, and they got some speedy guys. So, um, you know, especially uh, being on the road against a team like that, it's good to really good to come up with two points. The breakaway save that you made last night, I think that's the second save in, in, the, in your last couple starts, the last three starts, where you made a save and it, it actually hit your back skate afterwards, right? I mean, yeah, well, I don't think that one actually got through to my back skate. I, I never knew I, until it did. Yeah, the last night yeah. You, you just stood your ground, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, just, I just rolled back in case it kind of just trickled through. I wanted to lay on it. But, um, yeah, the one I didn't realize until I did video with Bobby uh, yesterday, that, that that one in Colorado, how, how it uh, I squeezed it with my back leg. So, um, you know, sometimes, you know, if, if you got a lot of it, but maybe mm-hmm. not all of it that you want to just kind of get the heels together and, and try to make sure you squeeze it. Yep. The, uh, what was it like early years coming here to Edmonton? There was no beautiful JW Marriott here. I could tell you that. Yeah. That, yeah. I got some stories. My first, uh, my first, um, rookie camp, which was the lockout year. So there wasn't, there was no NHL guys there. It was just, just some of the prospects came in and they had to stay over at the the Coliseum Inn, uh, which is right across <laughs> the street from uh, Rexall there, or old uh, Rexall place. And, uh, if you've ever been over there, it's not it's not the nicest place in the world. So that was the you know my uh, my first experience wasn't exactly um, top quality luxury <laughs> National Hockey League uh, hotels by any means, but I didn't know any better at the time. Yeah, that that hotel. I mean, I'm you've seen it right, Barry. I mean, that, that hotel it is. is the, I mean, I was only there for five days, and I. I mean, I get four or five stories about that place. It's <laughs> not not somewhere I would uh, I would send anybody that I cared about. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, your whole you you as a young guy. I mean, you you moved around a lot, right? I mean, your dad and your mom were different 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 cities, and you always had to make new friends. And you know, what what was your job of growing growing up? Uh, I was working for IBM mm-hmm. and um, I was moving around we moved all over the country and uh, it was all good it was uh, you know from a job perspective but uh, we went from Edmonton uh, to Toronto back to Regina where Devin was born back to Toronto uh, moved to Winnipeg Vancouver and then finally settled in Calgary so yeah it was all over the place and the, the kids got to experience a whole lot of a uh, lot of different uh, parts of the country did you did you worry about I mean from a hockey perspective um, him always having to delve into a new program and things like that yeah, I'd uh, do a little bit of uh, pre-scouting, I guess, before we moved. So actually, no, it's a true story. I mean, when uh, we were moving to Calgary, uh, we were, uh, I was checking, Barb was checking into the schools, and I was checking into the hockey programs and, uh, and moved into one of the quadrants in the city that we knew had a good hockey program. And especially with the, um, so many of the cities, it's hard to get ice time. Um, we wanted to make sure we moved into a into a, an area that we knew. That, and we were lucky. We lived about three blocks from the arena. They had, they had twin rinks. And, uh, you know, it was an important part of it. So we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, the hockey was going to get uh, looked after. So. One of my favorite stories, and I was talking to Devin about it the other day, was was uh, when you coached him mm-hmm. and you wanted him to go 50-50 for the whole year. Mm-hmm. And you put him in that. And the next day he was playing up front and you guys got smoked. And next thing you know, he was the goalie the rest of the year. Yeah, that was actually, that we were living in Port Coquitlam at the time. And um, that was when Devin started playing goal. Uh, when he was nine, I guess, turning 10. And that's, a, that's exactly the way the story was. I, um, I wanted Devin to be a, a good skater because I played goal in, in back in my day, but uh, I went in goal because I couldn't skate. And back in my day, that was pretty much the norm. 
mm-hmm. but uh, you know you re- recognize the importance of him having to be able to skate and skate well and so I wanted him as a as a defenseman and a forward but um, you know I, I was as, as competitive as Devin so you know when we didn't do too well the second game I thought well we'll just go with it. <laughs> Did you know right away then that your dad was as competitive probably as you? Oh, I, he would not share with me that that's why he allowed me to, to be a goalie. I, I tried to convince him to, to let me play, and he was pretty hesitant at first, and that, that's kind of what we agreed on was the, the 50-50 split. So um, I don't think he shared with me at that age that that's why he let me uh, play as many games as I did, but I, I improved pretty quick. Uh, I don't know, who knows, maybe if I if there was a chance sheet back then, I might have been a vulnerability up front, and maybe that's why he actually put me back in there. But uh, yeah, I, I just enjoyed the position. I've always been um, very defensive-minded in just about every sport I played, so it was it was fitting to slide back in there. The uh, you know, the other story I love from when I when I think it was the playoff preview that I wrote the year that you came to Minnesota was I was talking to your parents on the phone and you said that you were once looking over a scout's um, a, a, basically a, over a scout's shoulder and it said something like L L A G. Yeah, it was. Um that's exactly what it was. It was uh, I was kind of peeking. I'm tall enough that I could peek over his shoulder a little bit, uh, but I, I also knew the guy. I was chatting with him a bit, and that's exactly what it said. And it, and it was LLAG, and I, I had no idea what it meant. And he said, "Looks like a goalie." Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, "I'm not a goalie scout," so he says that's the only thing I can do in terms of the evaluation. But uh, he said that's what he looks like. So I thought, <laughs> "Hey, I, I'll go with that." The uh, and then I mean, you you just became a junior star, right, Devin? I mean, again, as I said, a lot of people don't like to take goalies in the first round. Because it's such an unpredictable position from a head standpoint, probably. Yeah, well, and even it's just it's just tough um, developmentally and and opportunity wise. Um, you know, just you, you need playing time, you need space in the minors, and and you know, depending on how it shakes out, free agency or trades with the with the NHL team. Um, you know, sometimes there's just there's just not spots available, and you know teams don't want to have a guy come up even if he's ready and sit on the bench. But that's really the only way you can get here. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's part of the reason why why teams don't like to take goalies high. Um, I really had no idea. I knew I always was was very competitive and knew that I was I was a good goalie. I was always playing Triple A and and that kind of thing. But it never really uh, never really clicked in kind of uh, where I was compared to, you know, everyone else in the country or, mm-hmm. or in Western Canada until um, the WHL draft when I went to Kamloops um, in the second round. And I think I was the, the first or second goalie taken, I can't remember. Um, that was kind of when it clicked in where I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, they're drawing from all of, all right. of Western Canada and, and a little bit of the U.S. So uh, obviously I'm, I'm up there with uh, – with some of them so um you know and then getting the opportunity i mean major junior to me it was crazy as a 14 year old of watching the 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 hitman and and then getting drafted to that league it would just kind of like blew my mind it seemed so so big and good and so far away and and you know i'm sure enough a year later end up getting called up with dino as the coach and yeah. um certainly it was a little i was a little out of my league there to begin with but uh yeah, it just uh, it just kind of continued to go. Yeah, and again, uh, we're talking with Barry and Devin Dubnik. This is uh, Mike straight from the source with Michael Russo. If you don't subscribe to the Athletic, theathletic.com/slash straight from the source will get you in for two ninety nine a month. This is the Athletic app, so you are able to uh, swear on here, Devin. But I, oh, okay. <laughs> I want you to tell the story <laughs> that you told me the other day. 
it was it was so funny. And just in case people haven't read the article about just you getting called up as a 15 year old um, from Calgary, you're playing Bantam, you get called up because the goalie had a high ankle sprain. You get you get in late to the one game, you get smoked. Next day, you said that the the, the puck was the size of oh, a BB. I wanted nothing to do with with being in the net the next day. It just uh, like I said, I got I got called up, um, flew into Vancouver. For my first game, they told me I was starting. I got in late to the game, scrambling to get my gear on for warm-up. I mean, I got out on the ice. I, I, you know, I slash guys all the time, and I whacked a guy in front of the net, and he turned around, and he had a full beard. <laughs> he just looked at me, and he was like, I will fucking kill you. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> Won't happen again. <laughs> so that was my, and then I mean, we were playing Vancouver, the Giants, and and they were, I think that was their expansion year. They were a bad team. We got throttled. I mean, everything was going ten speed for me out there. And um, Dino came in after the game, and he was pissed off at everybody. And and so we went into Seattle the next day, and yeah, I just uh, you know sit on the bench, and I wanted nothing to do with being on the ice at this point. <laughs> the confidence level was it was extremely low, and so it's the second period, and it's zero zero, and all of a sudden a full on line brawl breaks out which was which was not super uncommon um at this time there was you know we'd probably have these my my first couple of years they'd happen once every 2 3 weeks and i mean i was 15 years old coming from bantam i was like this is awesome you know everybody's everybody's pumped up there's gloves and helmets everywhere and and in uh, the goalies fighting at center ice and i'm like wow goalie fight this is crazy you know, I'm I'm up and and uh, and then so everything kind of settles down and they're cleaning up all the gloves and and uh, helmets off the ice and I'm in like pure denial at this point and not even cluing in that this means I have to play the game. <laughs> I'm just you know in my in my head I'm like oh you know the goalies are going to collect their gear now and put it back on and go back in the net and play <laughs> and so everybody clears off the ice and I'm just sitting at the end of the bench kind of looking around thinking about the line brawl and all of a sudden Dino looks down the bench and he's like Doobie. What are you doing? The fuck on the ice? <laughs> and then all the color came out of my face, and I realized what it meant. And, and uh, so I just hopped out there. And fortunately, uh, the guy at the other end that had to come off the bench was a 20-year-old vet, and I think he wanted less to do with that game than I did. <laughs> so uh, we scored for like five in the second period. I think we ended up winning five-one or five-two. So that was my that was my first win. And you, uh, that's your first junior win. That's pretty cool. And that, again, you were telling me that as a 15-year-old, you can only play five games max, so you only played three that year because Dean wanted to save your last two just in case of an absolute emergency. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, you're, you're essentially an emergency call-up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're limited to five games. And uh, so that was two right away. And then um, I want to say maybe two or three weeks later, we were in Red Deer, and, and it was, we were down 4 nothing like five minutes into the game, and he, he threw me in for the rest of the game. And, and then at that point, with not knowing the exact return date of their goalie that was injured, it was mm-hmm. I was shut off until unless absolute yeah. emergency. So, so for a couple months you played, you said three-on-three three with Dean. Yeah, every every single day after practice, it was a three-on-three three squad. There's You know, in junior you get, got the young guys who are scratches that don't play, so there's always, there's always three or four – or five uh, younger guys that would play as the players, and then it was Dino and um, Bonner was his assistant coach, and um, gosh, I can't remember who the third guy would have been, but it was always coaches against the players, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was an, it was an intense game of three on three. The players did not want to lose, the coaches did not want to lose, 
and I was the guy that always had to be have someone pissed off at me because I was the only goalie. So <laughs> I was always on one of the losing teams. The players would be pissed at me if I let the coaches score and vice versa. And, um, but yeah, Dino was uh, Dino was uh, moving back then. He was he was still a really good player. Could you imagine? I mean, like 17 years ago, 18 years ago, imagining one day. I'm going to be in the NHL as a longtime veteran, and the coach in the NHL that I'm going to have is Dean Evans. No, it's crazy. I mean, even when he, you know, when he got hired a couple of years ago, it was still, you know, I see him, see him uh, in the room before training camp, and it's just like what a, what a roundabout small world for us to, yeah. to get where we are now, and, and even more so now for 18 years down the road to be back as my head coach. Barry, what what type of uh, you know, as, as growing up, helping coach him as as a goalie, what kind of, what kind of goalie dad were you in terms of teaching, coaching, tutelage? I was wonderful. It was uh, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Just took it easy. Let him do whatever he wanted to do whenever. So, uh-huh. No, I was uh, I was hard on him. Yeah. Um, and we've had lots of conversations about it. My wife and I did as well. Uh, I pushed him hard, and um, don't I don't apologize for it. Um, you know, there, there were times when I was probably over the line. Um, but at the end of the day, I wanted to do as well as he could do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I've been wanted, you know, I was a decent goalie. I wasn't a great goalie, but I never quit trying. Mm-hmm. And all I wanted was, uh, you know, for him to, to give it all that he had. And if it worked, great. And if it didn't, um, it, wasn't, it would never be for lack of trying. And that was kind of what, uh, what I wanted to do. So, I, so I, I did push him hard. There's no doubt about it. How hard is it also as, as a goalie dad and a goalie? I mean, you're alone on an island. You're always the one to be blamed, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yet you're at the mercy of a lot of, like last night's a great yeah, example, yeah. where you're at the mercy of the way the other team is playing. Yeah. Vancouver was as good as I've seen them all yeah. year last night. Yeah. Um, it, what, what is that like when you're trying to kind of weigh that from a father's standpoint? Uh, like Devin says, when you're on the ice playing, and, and I was nowhere near that, but it was a long time ago, but at least you've got some semblance of control. Um, and like Devin says, that's probably the hardest thing when you're in the stands. Um, you or and you're and you're watching. You have no control over anything. Like you're twitching all the time. And you're moving when the puck's going, and um, but you you accept it as part of the position. I mean, as hard as it is, there's days when, uh, like Dino was saying last night, he couldn't watch the shootout. Mm-hmm. There's days when I don't feel like watching because you're so nervous. And then you give your your head a shake and say, "This is the dream," mm-hmm. and you just have to say, "You know what? I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can." But it still never gets easy. Yeah. Uh, I always say there's two quotes I remember from years and years ago, and I'll never forget them. And uh, one was from Jacques Plante, uh, who was a great goalie. And I, I'd, bought his, I'd bought his book and read it religiously when I was a kid. And uh, he said, what was it like to play goal in the NHL? And he says, imagine you go to your office, you sit down at your desk, and you make a mistake, and 16,000 people stand up and cheer. <laughs> and, and that really put it into perspective. Yeah. And then he says, and it's also every mistake you make goes up on the scoreboard. Yeah. Right? So those are two quotes that I, I never, ever forget. And it makes me realize that's, w- that's the way it is, but that's what it is. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you want to play goal, you accept that and you take the good with the bad. De- so. Devin, how, how do you handle that? I mean, because that's the reality, especially in today's day and age. I was just talking to Mike Foligno uh, yesterday in a father-son uh, roundtable that I did with your dad a couple years ago in Fort Lauderdale. And he was saying that, thank God he didn't live in the Twitter era. Thank God he didn't live in this era because he doesn't know of how he could handle it. You, you know, from your perspective, you are alone on an island. Like, you know, the poke check yesterday. I know everybody knows what you're trying to do, but yet when it goes in, you're alone there in the middle of the ice. Yeah, that was that was a not, not a situation I'd like to be in again where I – Got to sit there on my knees in a shootout and watch the guy stick handle the puck in the net for about three seconds. Um, no, it's it's again like kind of like my dad said. It's it you know you play so much and you just 
get used to that that's that's what it is um i mean the the biggest thing for me is that i always say like you have to believe in in what you're doing and trust what you're doing trust that you're a great goalie trust that that you are capable of of being great and and being one of the best goalies in the league and just always remembering that so that if if you make a mistake or or you know I, a goal goes in because i did something that i shouldn't have or didn't have my feet set whatever it is just you just have to know yourself why or if a goal goes in that people thought shouldn't have gone in but in my head i know what happened and you know maybe just some little thing happened that that screwed me up or a bounce or whatever you you have to you have to be comfortable and confident in yourself to to be able to know what happened know if you should have stopped it if you should have done something differently or if it's just what happened and mm-hmm. if you can be comfortable with that then it helps to eliminate what everybody else says or what everybody else thinks because it does get hard it, you know, it's, it, we're human beings i mean it it's going to affect you can't just completely block it out but if you can just be as confident and comfortable with yourself as you can and know if you should have or shouldn't have, then it allows you to kind of just let everybody else talk. Like, like the, the shorthanded goal the other night against, I think it was Colorado, I mean, that was exactly what you were doing after the game. I mean, you were actually demonstrating to me what happened. I mean, you, you, I mean I'm sure you're replaying that in your head on how just absolutely, I mean, for lack of a better term, fluky it was. Too. Yeah, and I mean, that's a bad goal. But yeah. it's like, again, you just, you you under, you go, you're like, it's it was a, it was a shitty bounce the way it went in regardless it's a bad goal it should have been stopped but again you just you're like okay I should have saved that kind of shitty the way it happened so what it is mm-hmm. those go in sometimes mm-hmm. and you just you, you have to accept it and just be comfortable with it and be pissed off at yourself for letting it in but it's what it is it's didn't you say that uh was it yesterday you were telling me or that uh, that the, that your dad got really angry with you once with a red line goal? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and he, you know, he was fair growing up. I think I always said the biggest thing is uh, he never get mad at me for uh, how I performed or goals that I allowed unless they had to do with my work ethic. So if if I played a bad game because I was being lazy and I wasn't intense, um, that was a problem for him. If I got torched but was trying my ass off he was fine with it so I just remember a game um thankfully both him and my mom happened to drive to that game (laughs) and uh and they dumped it in from the red line and and it bounced off the back wall and and I was I was lazy kind of getting back to my post and ended up bouncing off the back of my leg and in the net I think we tied the game 3-3 so I was coming off I was like yeah we got a point we tied dad was gone he, he was he, mom was driving me home I came out I was like where's dad she's like he he, he went home so it did, didn't happen very often but uh yeah he's uh definitely uh was was avoiding for a few hours after I got home that day do you remember that Barry oh yeah I was like I said I I, I know when I, there's times that I, I get mad never losing control but uh mm-hmm. you, you, there's times when you know you're getting to the point where you you sometimes want to zip it that was why I left because mm-hmm. I was I was so mad that night that it uh, I just want to be very careful I uh it's funny I I did this uh feature on Staylock a couple weeks ago and uh his wife is really funny in the story talking about his aggressiveness and coming out of the net do you do you find that way even when Devin comes out that like holding your breath 
uh, when he comes out of the net? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, um, you know, the, the, like Al is an incredible puck handler. We all see that. Um, you know, Devin, uh, you know, I, I wish Devin could handle a puck like Al, but uh, not very many do. Um, but it's also an important part of the game for the goalies. But you also realize that every time they come out, there's a risk because, uh, you know, you look at the, the gloves they're using, the sticks they're using, no matter how good they are, um, it's, they're still not like the forwards. And, um, and, and it's, it's like Devin's poke check last night. When it goes bad, they look horrible. Mm -hmm. right? Nobody notices the, the, the 39 times out of 40 that you, you make a good play and it works. That's the one time out of the 40 that uh, you, you look like, uh, you know, wh what the hell are you doing out there? Right? So it's, uh, it's, it's always nerve-wracking. And isn't it funny? I mean, uh, you saying that actually reminds me. I mean, how many times Devin's made that play perfectly yeah. in his wild career? Yeah. I mean, I don't remember one where, you, where it went bad. So. Well, one of my heroes. And usually on breakaways. One of my heroes in the old days was Johnny Bauer, and they always say it was the Johnny Bauer poke check. Right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't, th I don't know if there's anybody in the league that does as many as Devin does. And like I said, when they work, they're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite things uh, about your whole family is your love of poker, because that's my second love as well. Um, Barry, who would you say best poker player in the family? You, Barb, Devin, Big Dave. Who would it be? Uh, Big Dave. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. I thought you were going to say your wife. Yeah. Well. She probably won't listen to this podcast, so I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. No, Dave's, Dave's, the Dave's the best poker player. Really? Yeah. Just uh, does he have, uh, go and, and play in tournaments like in Vegas the way that you guys do? Or? Uh, not as much. He's got three young kids now, but um, he's just uh, he understands the game. Devin Devin's a really good poker player too, um, but uh, but Dave is, understands the game. Um, you know, definitely uh, more so than uh, than the rest of us. But. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's kind of on another level. Like I, I'm a good I'm a good player. Uh, I'm significantly more reckless than he is um, playing, but he, he just he sees it in a whole other level. Um, you know, and I know all the good poker players do this, but uh, he's he's like a genius with numbers. So mm -hmm. um, I mean, he's he calculates odds and percentages on the spot. Like the second a card's turned over, he's got it in his head and he knows who did what. And I mean, you, see, you hear him give you the rundown on a hand. Um, you know, there will be five people in a hand. He knows exactly where every guy was sitting, exactly who bet what and when. And, I mean, this is like mm -hmm. two days later. He'll tell you exactly what happened in the hand, who bet what, what seat they were in, what card came over next, what he had, what he thought he had. And he'll tell you this, like, yeah. whole thing. I'm like, man, I'm just staring at my cards waiting to ship my stack in when the time's <laughs> right. <laughs> but, no, I, he's very good. I um, When I was younger, uh, and I don't know if you're, if you're too young, um, because I'm about 12 or 13 years older than you. If you're too young, that this game was still essentially a thing, but seven court stud. That was my game growing up, where I just I used to play those. Uh, this is you know this is back when like in the day like if a trade would happen at night, you didn't worry about it because it, <laughs> it was past deadline. You know, so like now anytime you have to go back and write. So I used to go sometimes to this. It was called Seminole India Casino. It's where Hard Rock is in Davie, Florida. Now I used to go there for like eight hours a night and play like ten sit and go seven stud things. And that's how that game is. I mean, if you have a great memory, you're going to win a lot in that game. And I, I've read a lot of books and watched a lot of documentaries on Daniel Negreanu, who I've since gotten to know, and I introduced you to a couple of years ago. But he, that's his thing. He remembers absolutely everything. He pot odds, 
guts like you can't even imagine. I mean, that is his his thing. Yeah, it's it's crazy to, to be, and he's yeah. I was I've been a big fan of his. I I learned just hold him um, when I when I discovered the game was actually it was in junior and um, when poker really blew up was the first lockout in in um, yep. forward because especially in Canada there's nothing to watch on TV. So all of a sudden all, all these sports channels were playing poker nonstop, and so that's how I really got into it was. Uh, you know, it was just fun the the competitive side of it, the you know the the math and and uh, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, these guys uh, that are that are the best of the best, and you know that's w- when I watch Negreanu all the time. Being a Canadian guy that he is, I was um, a fan of his, and and uh, but it's just it's mind blowing to to hear what's going on between the ears um, yeah when they're playing it was and uh and it, it's funny because uh during that lockout i don't know four or five that's how i supplemented my freelance lost freelance money because i played yeah. party poker every every minute of the day during that year to just make my some extra money yeah i used uh, to get uh i used to get dave, dave to uh send me like 10 bucks on uh on poker stars <laughs> and he'd uh so i could play like a like a big sit and go tournament on the computer and I had no money. It was, it was when I was in Kamloops. I had five dollars in the bank account. So my Dave had a had an account on there. So every every like Thursday or something, I'd <laughs> I'd call him, and because I don't even think I had a phone at this time, I'd I'd call him from the landline and be like, "Hey man, you sent me ten bucks on Poker Stars yeah. so I can play a tournament." By the way, I don't even think I've made clear that Big Dave is your brother. By the way, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why he's called Big Dave is yeah, he's six ten. He's big boy. So God. I really always. Uh, Asked me if the height runs in the family, and I say, yeah, my uh, my brother's bigger than I am. That is crazy. And uh, tell me about your wrestling tournaments that you used to have <laughs> in the backyard. Yeah, we were big into that. Um, like I'm sure lots of kids were loved loved the WWE. Well, it was WWF back then, WWE now, but loved it. Um, we go to we go to Blockbuster and and once a week and rent uh, you know Royal Rumble or or SummerSlam or some sort of thing and we'd you know gather up with our group of friends and watch it in the basement and, and uh, we had a trampoline in the backyard so we started uh coordinating these these uh tur- these you know wrestling events and there'd be a different one every time some would be and and I mean it got it got really in- intense I mean we had it all we had it all written out all of our friend group kind of had their different quirks you know some one guy liked to write it all out on the sheet and then some of us made a curtain to come out to and there was a microphone and we had I mean we had belts and and costumes and everything and and you know we'd we'd semi stage the matches uh, as far as who was going to win to a point and um sure not good for the parents because our uh we were pretty reckless on the trampoline with uh we get pretty pretty uh, confident with our tricks with backflips and and all that kind of stuff. So and the, there were no nets on the trampoline at this time either. So we were rolling the dice a lot. The uh, do you do you remember these? I mean, weren't I, I thought Devin once told me a story about you guys watching from the backyard and a couple times flipping out. Yeah, it was, uh, and I, I think back now how how careful we tend to be with the kids. And like you said, like Devin says, you got the safety nets around the trampolines. And yeah, there's times that we sat back and we you were almost afraid to watch it mm-hmm. um, and yet so you're trying to find the balance between being overprotective and letting them have some fun but uh, yeah they were they were crazy it was uh, but they were it was fun to watch the creativity of it and the excitement <laughs> I mean it was just uh, like you know I wish we'd had better video cameras back then we would have had some more video of it but yeah it was uh, it was pretty cool to watch yeah I, uh, <clears throat> I remember what, the only time I remember him shutting me down was because I used to I was I was crazy on the trampoline when I was a kid I mean backflips 
back aerials like I so I'd go out on my own and I'd just go out there and practice tricks and just kind of teach myself always pushing it too you know if I did a back back 180 aerial the next was a 360 and then it was 540 and then I'm trying to do a 720 and I'm just out there by myself just constantly trying this stuff and then so one day I decided that I was going to try to do a double front flip so I'm out in the backyard and I'm balancing as high as I can I flip once and then and then whip over to my back and to try to get kind of get the the feeling of the rotation so finally I build up the courage to do it and get up there double front flip land on my back and five seconds later my dad comes out and is like absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> that is enough <laughs> so that was the one time that I got shut down that is funny. Uh, again, you're listening to Straight from the Source. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, uh, theathletic.com slash Straight from the Source. Not only articles everywhere, but uh, podcasts galore. And one of the best ones is uh, Two Man Advantage with Pierre Lebrun and Scott Burnside. And uh, Jim Rutherford, the Pittsburgh Penguins GM, is uh, his guest this week. And uh, you can, I'm sure he's talking about the Jason Zucker trade as well. Um, Devin, tough time of year in the NHL. Uh, you know, it's a w- weird time to have a father-son trip. You know, everybody, everybody's uh, – I, I did. A, it's funny. I did a – Podcast, uh, the the roundtable yesterday with four dads, and as I'm doing it, it like dawned on me that f- all four of their kids could conceivably be on the on the trading block. And Ryan Hartman's been trading the last two tr- deadlines. Brad Hunt, great, you know, really quality depth defenseman. Uh, Luke Conant, I'm sure every GM in the league would like a quality young kid. And and then obviously Marcus Foligno, I think every playoff team would want him. For, for what is it like in the locker room this time of year? I mean, do you guys tune it out, or is it chatter in the locker room? Um. I think we, you know, talk about it as much as any. I, I don't think anybody's digging for for rumors or, you know, if somebody hears something or or thinks something, guys are going to talk about. It. I mean, it's essentially our family, so mm-hmm. um, you know, you're going to have conversations about it. It's 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 always an uncomfortable time. There's just there's no scenario that you want ever want to see somebody go. Um, you know, we become so close, we spend so much time with each other, um, so you just you, you you do your best not to think about it and. Uh, you, know, you count the days and let them go by and, and just, uh, I mean, you, you never, again, it's like, you, you know, things are going to happen. Um, some years more than others. Uh, you hope it benefits your team obviously, but there's no, there's no point in time that you're ever hoping for anything to happen. I mean, the, you're, every guy in the room is going to tell you they, they would happily just have the same group because mm-hmm. we, you know, you're they're, they're the guys you see and, and live with every day. Is it, is it hard when sometimes the, the objectives of the long-term future of the organization sometimes doesn't align with guys that are in their 30s that want to win every day and win a cup. You know, I mean, that's that's the big thing that I think that a lot of uh, fans that you know get upset with sometimes. It's like, why are they trying to win? Well, you got 20 guys in the room that are trying to win. You know, Billy Guerin might be thinking something else, but but from your perspective, yeah, absolutely, and we believe in ourselves too. So we, you know, we truly believe that. Uh that we that we should be in the playoffs at the end of the year and we certainly played that way for the for the majority of the year um you know if it wasn't for our start we'd we'd be in a in a much better spot so uh yeah it's i mean we certainly don't think that way when we're we come to the rink we expect to win we want to win we want to you know we want to win every single game so there's there's you're never going to approach it where you think that way. I mean, you have to understand uh, from from fans' point of views, they're they're looking at it mm-hmm. in a different light. But <clears throat> when you're in in a room with a, a group of guys that are competitive, that we all feel are capable of winning, uh, that's that's what you're going to be going out there and trying to do every single time. Barry, I, I asked the, this question of the dads yesterday, but you, you know, you're a father of a player, and but yet you are also a guy that that 
that's a hockey fan. So how what, how do you weigh that when sometimes you know you see a Boudreaux fired or a Jason Zucker traded and you want to immediately call your son that's on the inside and want to know some juicy details? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Devin and I in- intentionally avoid a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for for two reasons. One, a lot of times it uh, it just becomes uh, it, it, it's not idle chatter, but uh, you know, there's outside of satisfying my curiosity it really doesn't uh, provide any benefit. Mm-hmm. And so I, I try not to ask him a lot of questions that, you know, in some cases I could put him on the spot, right? If, there, if there's stuff that, you know, is relevant to him directly, then you know, we might have more of a conversation around that. But uh, as much as I'd like to know more, <laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of resist the urge to try to ask too much because I, I don't think it's fair to him either. So, yeah. it, you know, because I, you know, on a very small scale, we all work in business and everything else. And uh, there's things that, you know, there are some things that should be kept private. And right. with, with, with a hockey team, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff like it's, it's, it's such a, a close knit group that, you know, that stuff should stay within the team. De- Devin, could you, you know, without giving too many details that you're probably not allowed to give out, but, but can you bring people just sort of into that practice early that day? Like, how do you find out about Bruce Boudreaux and then what is the reaction of the players? Yeah, everybody, everybody was pretty shocked. Um, I, I happened to, to be walking in at the time that he was driving out. Um, so I kind of instantly knew something was up it's you know not a time that Bruce would be leaving the rink (laughs) um so it's funny because you always you know you're always like well maybe need to run out and get something like you you don't really you just don't really think uh right away but obviously you knew something was up so um you know you kind of go in and, and go about your business and look around and ask guys if they've they know what's going on and then you know eventually they're, they're pretty quick to to fill us in on on what's going on because it doesn't take long for for yeah. guys to figure it out yeah the um we, we've we've discussed this here you know and again if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to but uh but obviously everybody knows it's been a tough year for you with uh what's been going on with your wife i mean one can you say how she is doing now and and two how it has affected you yeah she's she's doing better she's she's recovering and um you know it's it's gonna take a while it's not a not an overnight thing but um certainly on the on the right path and and uh, she's getting better each day so uh it's been yeah it's been it's been difficult um a lot of reasons you know it's uh usually um you know if things if things aren't great at the rink um it's easy to to go home and that's kind of your escape and and you know you go home and and sometimes it's tough at home with with the kids and you want to provide her with with some relief from the kids and and just some some rest time which is which is pretty much impossible so you know you 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 play a shitty game and then go home and you feel like feel like you're not doing enough at home to to relieve the pressure and all of a sudden you know you're thinking you can't you can't do anything right and and uh you know and then not only that is like then when you when you go to the rink and you always enjoy going to the rink you know it hasn't been easy to 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 be away because i don't i don't want to be away from the house and mm-hmm. and you know i want to be there to help and to, and to support so sometimes it's it's not easy to leave home um so it's just it's been hard and and you know lots of people have to have to deal with things and and one thing i mean the the organization <clears throat> billy and and craig have just been incredible for us um really blessed to to have have them treat us the way they have um you know this is this is our this is our home and 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 our family here and that certainly reinforced it um 10 times over the way the way they've uh they've they've cared about us supported us you know given the time that was needed mm-hmm. 
but yeah, it's 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 been tough, and and then you know, combine that with with obviously wanting to to play a little better, and and uh, just it just kind of piles on. But um, you know, you, you got to find a way through, and feel like I've been uh, been been trending the right way, and I feel good good about my game for the last last while here. So you just you you got to find a way to get it done. Final minutes of the show. I've already uh, kept Devin and Barry, especially on an off day, uh, uh, way longer than I should have, and I really appreciate you joining. Um, especially Devin, again, uh, <laughs> when all his teammates are out uh, enjoying their off day. Um, you mentioned trending the right way. I mean, the Dallas game was as good as you've looked in a long, long time, and then you followed up yesterday with a, with a big victory. Do, do you feel like that could catapult you here into a very important final five, six weeks of the season? Yeah, and that's really how you have to look at it. I mean, it's, and that, that's one of the challenges um, with when, it, when it's been a difficult year is like, you know, you go in a, in a regular year where, where things have been good and you have an off game and, and you know, nobody really cares because it's, you know, it's one game and then, right. and then you're back at it. But, you know, in a year like this, it's like, you know, one goal or, or one game and it's kind of just gets tied into the entire season where, you know, it's like, ah, oh, is it? shitty or like yeah. you know and, it, and it's when in a normal scenario it would never be put that way but that's just sports it's the way it is um, but you ha- you kind of have to fight that where you so that you're not doing it yourself where you're tying one game or or one goal into a tough start or a tough stretch after the after the start and um so I, I felt good about my game I mean again like the Colorado game is a good example too because you you let in the sh- shitty goal, and and other than that, like going over the video, I felt like it was a pretty, it was a pretty sharp game. But, you know, not a not a great rebound on the third goal, but as a whole, it was. It, I felt good. Um, felt like it was a good continuation from the Dallas game, and so you have to try to grab onto that, and then take it into this game, in, instead of you know tying it into mm-hmm. a couple months ago, right? Or or you know the the previous months in, in games. So um, you know I been around long enough and played enough to to know how to do that um but it is a challenge i mean there's the challenges come up in all different ways and that's uh it's um something that you have to you have to work to do and consciously do but um certainly feel good when i'm in there barry, barry um in a year like this where you know in dallas where he's playing this unbelievable game and then it's 2-2 like i mean it's only you you got to be at home like are you are you kidding me and then to then watch him mentally in a tough circumstance uh really steal them the victory the rest the final period and a half yeah it's um it's it's like devin says um you know in a year when it's going well it's it's a lot easier to relax and 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 when he does have a a loss or a bad game you just forget about it you carry on because you know you're getting back on a bit of a streak this year it, it it even as as a dad uh it feels like you're you know every game feels like it's 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 just another challenge and um and you, you you just want to get on a bit of a streak so you can get that comfort level again, right? And and when I said two two, I by the way I meant two nothing. It's like yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> playing this on yeah, the game, it, and then yeah. you're down to the zip, <laughs> and it's just yeah. it was just crazy yeah. uh, the way that all came about. Um, how do you both uh, you know really escape the outside noise? I mean, from media, from fans, from Twitter, as you and I have discussed a thousand times, Barry. Um, for me, uh, personally, I, like, I, I like to stay in, involved and know what's going on with stuff. Um, and I'd mentioned to you before, um, if he has a bad game or a bit of a bad stretch, um, I tend to ignore, ign- ignore it more because you know there's not going to be any good stuff. Right. So there's no value in, in doing a lot of reading. 
specifically with Twitter. Uh, you and I have had this conversation numerous times. Um, you know, I'll, I'll read the tweets that are coming from credible sources like yourself and, and the other hockey people. Uh, I don't read the comments. I yeah. did at one point, and then I realized that you know they're they're irrelevant, right? Because you know everybody's entitled to their opinion, but it doesn't mean I have to care about it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the the people that they, you know they're on Twitter and they think their their opinion matters, and then you look at them and you realize they've got they follow three people and they got one follower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, oh, <laughs> I say that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and seriously. So the biggest thing for me is um, is just to you know, uh, uh, like Devin says, at times you just have to shut stuff out. Yeah. So if if it is a bit of a rough stretch or whatever, I just you just tend to ignore it and try not to to, to follow it because you know it's not going to be it's not going to be complimentary. So there's yeah. there's really no value in it, and and just uh, you know that it, uh, the change is coming. Devin. Yeah, and it kind of comes back to what I was talking earlier, just about being comfortable with yourself and, and confident and, and knowing. But I've I've learned um, just not to read anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm picking through hockey articles uh, and it's you know it hasn't been a good stretch, I'm just going to read about the rest of the league. And mm-hmm. because and and you know I don't even I don't I don't tend to read the good articles either unless you know unless some about the family or, or kind of mm-hmm. a unique um one and and the reason is that that as as human beings there's nothing you're never going to feel that good you know about a article that says oh you played a great game last <laughs> night but it's impossible to read one as much as you you can try to not care and you can not care to a certain extent but when you read things that are negative about you it's it it affects you yeah whether you like it or not and you can be you know the the hardest person that just doesn't care but somewhere in you it's going to bother you it's going to affect you because it's impossible not to even if it is somebody sitting in their basement that doesn't matter or whoever it is that comment will resonate with you somewhere and so it's just not worth it right uh, Barry, is there a little part of you that just hopes that Devin has like three little goalies at home, just to future NHL goalies to just give pay him back for a little bit for what he's done to you and your wife? Absolutely, both on the on the stress side of it and the <laughs> and the pleasure side of it. Like honestly, it's um, you know me being an old goalie, um, you know it's uh, you get to live your dream through your kid, and uh, you know so uh, yeah, and whether it's a goalie or whatever, you just it, it's fun to be able to watch your kids do stuff, and, and you're so proud of your kids no matter what they do. And uh, and we always joked with Devin. He was uh, a full throttle kid. Is probably the best way to describe it. And uh, his three kids are full throttle kids. So he's getting uh, he's getting <laughs> back what uh, what he gave us. And we always said if we had had him first, we probably would have stopped at one. <laughs> uh, well, I really do appreciate. It. As I've told you many many times, I mean Devin's an absolute pleasure to cover. Uh, I've never like down to earth. And also from somebody that started in Florida and covered John Van Beesburg, who wouldn't even talk to his teammates on game days, let alone the media. Just the fact that he'll sit there and hold court for an hour in the morning to the point that the PR people get pissed. I th- I'm pretty sure they have this 1040 shorthand uh, penalty kill meeting now just to stop Devin from talking to the beat writers. So, so well, thanks, thanks guys for uh, joining again, Barry and Devin Dubnik here on Straight from the Source. And don't forget to please rate and subscribe Straight from the Source on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com/straight from the source, you'll get 40 percent off your subscription to the Athletic only at theathletic.com. Thanks, guys.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.